0: Welcome to this week in MTG with your host Matt Olsen. Hey everybody, how's it going? Changing things up. Not really. Not really changing things up. But hello. <laughs> we got uh we got a pack jam full tongue twisters on hand for you. Yes. Yeah. Everybody say that five times fast. We got a jam-packed week full of news. yeah not really jam-packed. It's it's normal amount of news, I'd say that we got that we gotta fill you in with.
1: Yeah, it's only pack
0: jammed. Pack jammed. Packed in. Pack rat. Pack oh God, rat. Guys. Rat pack. brat pack. There you go. There's a throwback for you. Leonardo DiCaprio. No. What's the guy from the Pack Rat? Rat Pack. Uh, James Dean. No. Not James Dean. Yeah, James Dean. Sure. Isn't he from the original Rat Pack? I think so. I don't know. Sounds else. about right. And then there's a uh, Sam. Sam something or another, also from the Rat Pack. Yeah. But packing aside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, don't fucking say that. it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying fudge packing at least. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> that's where my mind went right away my name is matt i'm your host here at this week in mtg your aggregate news source for all things magic the gathering to my left we have the very silent and like questioning his life existence right now danny that's for sure and then to my right we actually have jb in house again hi jb yay you left a boggle Lair. yes i did is it no longer hexproof now no it's still hexproof okay you're good it just doesn't have trample. Are we hexproof here?
1: You know, by osmosis, you
0: might be. Oh, man. So what we got to do now is just put a first strike counter on us and we're solid. Yes. Or death touch. Something. We need another counter. Vigilance.
1: So we can be ever vigilant. Ooh. Oh, you see what I did there? I did.
2: It sounded yeah. very heroic. Yeah. Like Batman. Damn, how he's b- like. How, how about <laughs> we just mutate this into the next phase of the podcast?
1: <laughs> Ooh. I see what you did there. That was a good one.
0: Solid. We bring the news to you all, all the time, and this week's no different. How it's broken down is we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the winner that we had for the Magic Fest Online Season One Champion. Not too much to talk about on that, but we'll talk about it next. We have a an ban and restricted update. Uh, it kind of got spoiled last week. That is probably going to be happening. Then we'll jump into the news section where we will hit up. Blogataga of the week and get into the news. Then we'll move over to the finance section, talk about card prices, see how they're moving in this very stagnant world of COVID-19, and then finish off with a deck of the week handpicked by the Janky Boggle himself.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I found it. I was bored.
0: He seems a little bit lost. Just Just a little bit. (laughs) So as I was saying, we had our very first Magic Fest Online Season 1 champion. Fabrizio and Terry. Ant-ary. Fabrizio and Terry. I'll try that again, Matt. I think, no, I think it's Fabrizio and Terry. Fabio! Is it Fabio? Francisco? Francisco!
1: I don't know. Oh,
0: my gosh. It's just what it reminds me of is a suave fucking shampoo commercial. He took down the event running a Rakdos sacrifice deck. and uh, th- This whole event was standard, so the deck was constructed of cauldron familiar, <laughs> witch's oven, claim the firstborn, woe strider, priestess of the forgotten god, midnight reaper, and mayhem devil. Very stock list. It just shows that it's still a solid build. That kind of curious how it's going to be evolving now with with Acoria coming out.
1: I don't know. Might mutate.
0: Mm, it's going to mutate. There we go. I missed on that one.
1: Yes, you did. Missed you missed on hardcore. Just leave the puns to me and Danny. Okay, you guys got it. You just your pun game is just not on par at all.
0: And then we pass the microphone over to Danny to hit us up with a BNR announcement. So this is kind of a
2: piggyback on what's already been announced for Commander um, Lutri, the spell chaser, has been banned in Brawl. Announced as of today. Um, it will go on effect for tabletop on the sixteenth. Magic Online will be sixteenth, and MTG Arena the effective date will be the sixteenth. Um, so expect to not see that spell ever cast in any of those formats or that format of brawl that no one plays. Just kidding, I do a little I bit.
1: P- I played it once just for the F credit. That was it.
2: I have a couple decks on Arena
0: i made uh I made a I made a brawl deck to do the event last week, and I'm kind of excited to keep it going. What was it? Negobulas. Dragon Guy. Surprise, surprise, <laughs> you filthy Grixis player. <laughs> so with the ban announcement out of the way, we're gonna lead into the news. We start off with Blogatog of the week. This week Blogatog was handpicked by JB himself. Exactly. No, Matt's reading the <laughs> shit. I picked it. Danny's read every time he's picked it. It's the rules. Well, it's because Danny doesn't read anything else.
2: He just read the BNR. <laughs> Fuck you guys. He hasn't had a B&R for like <laughs> three weeks. So that's why I chose BNR. <laughs> you just happened to choose a crappy section. Hey, I have the cheap pickups. Damn it! Don't worry, you'll get to there too. I love the cheap pickups for the blog talk of the week that JB is too lazy to read comes from (laughs) Merotic for reference for those who are finding the mutating a god leaving you with a permanent with no card types this has more this has been doable since 2004 with New Rogue, Transmuter and March of the Machines Mark replies FYI
0: For those that don't fully grasp these cards, like I did right off the bat, Nurok Transmuter Transmuter is a blue 2-2 human wizard printed in 5th Dawn. Has an activated ability of blue. Target creature becomes an artifact in addition to its other types until end of turn. Has another ability of blue. Until, end of turn, target artifact creature becomes blue and isn't an artifact. And then, March of the Machines is blue three enchantment. Each non-creature artifact is an artifact creature with power and toughness equal to its converted mana cost. So, JB, why'd you pick this one? <laughs> I'm trying to still fully understand this one.
1: I don't know, because it was talking about mutating gods and shit. You gotta have a point! This, I don't know. And I thought it was I, funny. I, I find all, it, he did, all he said was
2: FYI. Like, it's it's a good combo, I guess. But it's limited to two different blue spells. The mutating ability is the entire, I guess, universe. Or all five colors. Or depending on the combination of colors. But it's not limited just two blue players. But yeah, it's kind of weird. they... It's not really mutating. You're just creating creating artifacts into creatures, and therefore creatures into artifacts. It's
1: mutate before mutate existed,
2: but it's not mutating uh, no.
0: creatures on creatures. No, this is this is nothing to do with mutating. So, March of the Machines makes each non-creature artifact a creature yep. with power and toughness equal to its CMC. So, we'll use an example of Soul Ring. You have Soul Ring out. March of the Machines makes it a colorless 1-1. Two, two. One, one. Was it or saying, 1 said, 1, yeah, 1 1. It's a colorless 1 Jeez, 1. Jeez, what kind of soul range are you playing? Uh, I was thinking <laughs> if it's what it taps for. <laughs> and then with Nurak Transmitter, Transmuter, not Transmitter. Why did I do that again? Transmuter,
1: you use the I second don't know, ability. Tomato, tomato.
0: Where until end of turn, target artifact becomes blue and isn't an artifact. The soul ring is now a blue 1/1 one one non-artifact creature and I'm trying to figure out how mutating a god leaves you a, with a permanent with no card types unless the god's not are they are they saying like the god then becomes undevoted because you can only mutate when the god's a creature mhm so you cast mutate on the god and then the god loses its so devotion it? and then it becomes an enchantment again it still remains enchanted. I was I was wondering oh, if this oh, earlier I was I was thinking
2: about this earlier, so see, total if, mindfucker. If, if if you were to mutate a god. So Heliad, for example. Okay. I'm with you. So if you mutate Heliad, but you don't have your, your devotion out there.
0: Well, you can't mutate Heliad if you don't have your devotion out there.
2: Well, I mean away. once 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 it's been mutated and you just blow up the board. Okay. Except he's indestructible, so he stays on the board. Okay. Is he still a enchantment with the power and toughness of whatever he's been added to, or do those enchantments underneath him disappear? Does it disappear depends part?
1: on how you mutate him. If you leave him on top, well, that, then, that's, then 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 he could go back. If he doesn't have the devotion, he's going to go back as an enchantment because yep. he's still healing. But if you mutate him with the mutate creature on top. Then that devotion shit doesn't. It, it don't matter. Okay, well, they've no, got yeah. then.
0: They've I, got I,
1: his abilities, no, and that,
2: you can negate that, that, that shit. That I understand. What I'm talking about, if Heliot is the one who is mutated,
0: so it's Heliot with a mutate creature underneath.
2: That's what yep. you're saying, okay?
0: We'll are, are all I would scents, like to say they'd stay attached because he s- keeps
2: counters. So back in the beginning, no, that's when Heliod. the world was young. So if he, with his. <laughs> mentioning of a god so heliod just for an example is indestructible along with all the other gods obviously you have to have a devotion so he stays a creature but if he's mutated he still has all the abilities of all those creatures would those that are mutated underneath him fizzle no i think once it- he goes back to being an
0: enchantment
1: they should stay attached because he keeps counters when he loses his devotion Right.
0: I think I figured out what this is actually supposed to mean. With the whole March of Machines and New Rock transmuter, see, this is what happens when you have a bunch of schmucks in a room that don't fully grasp the the, the rules, the, the in-depth rule analysis of magic. So if you're a judge, you know a judge, hit us up. We want to be informed on this. This is taking way too long to figure out for a blog a The thing is with this is... When you have Nurok Transmitter out and March of the Machines both out, that Soul Ring is an artifact creature. But then when you make it blue from Nurok Transmitter, it no longer becomes an artifact creature. Because March of the Machines says each non-creature artifact. So it becomes a creature. It's no longer an artifact. It just becomes a 1-1 creature until end of turn. Because you still got that, the ability of neurotransmuter. Oh, so yeah. So it's got no type. It's just a creature. Yeah. Kind of along the lines with like Exodron. then. This makes a whole lot more sense. Holy crap. So I, I still don't see this as being a mutate.
2: I, I get it that he's changing stuff, but he's not mutating something.
0: With marching machines? No, no, no. no, no. This is the whole losing the creature subtype. Oh, you
2: no, know, I, I, I get that. I completely understand that. But it's the whole, it's his whole argument that has been doable since 2004 with these
0: two. Yes, because it makes a creature with no subtype. Yeah, he's saying that the yeah, the creature with no subtype has been doable. Yeah. And that's the FYI that Morrow is referring to. Holy crap, guys. I think we got it. We fingered it out. Questions, comments, concerns? Everybody understand? Maybe. But it's
1: a pajama, pajama, so, I mean, it's okay.
0: <laughs> Moving into the news quickies. Not too much to talk about because there's a couple more in-depth stuff that would typically be a news quickie, but we got to cover more in-depth. First off, Ecoria is coming out this Thursday for digital. That is Magic Online and for Magic Arena. And we'll talk more about that in the State of Arena update coming in Ooh. the news. And another news quickie. Ikoria Lair Behemoth is coming out uh, last week on, on on Weekly MTG. Wizard says that there will be fewer Ikoria Commander 2020 decks at launch uh, than usual due to COVID-19 printing shutdowns. They will ramp printing back up once the printers are back online, so just know that the Commander Twenty Twenty is going to be scarce, kind of right off the bat. So I need to pre-order mine like soon.
2: Well, it shouldn't. It, now, do pre-orders trump orders of just putting on the shelf? It,
0: well, pre-ordering just. Solidifies you getting a copy. I get matter. I get that. It doesn't matter if it's in or not, like you'll have it. So like first batch, I imagine whatever your LGS does, it's gonna be a first come, first serve. Whoever put their orders in, like Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean they're gonna go off that list. I wanna be high up on that damn list. So diving into the news, we have a couple two uh two big things really to talk about. Should we just start off with the SEG uh the SEG discussion, or do we wanna start with uh the state of arena? So the arena.
1: Okay. Yeah, let's just go down the list.
0: You know, that didn't work last week when we did our bonus episode, JB, when you went to the mythoses. Okay, we were going up the list,
1: not down the list. There's a difference.
0: Yeah, you you jumped way up the list. There's so many things. That was I the first in
1: interesting one that I saw that I found, okay.
0: Wow. Anyway, guys. So with the release of Aquaria Lair Behemoths on digital this Thursday, the 16th, there's a couple updates that are coming with that. Oh? The first... Big update. If you haven't heard by now. Until May 21st, players who enter the Ikoria Lair Behemoth limited event will also receive a Godzilla Monster Series card. Just kidding. That is not the big thing right now. The big thing. Well,
1: I mean, it is big. It's well, a Godzilla-sized monster.
0: I mean, not as big as the next bit. Depends on your scale. Newsworthy-wise. This is pretty big. This is an eight-person big thing big. Is it, though? Oh yeah. It but is totally Godzilla crazy.
1: bigger than eight people?
0: Not if you stack him on head on head. Praising boom.
1: True. True story. Be pretty close.
0: The big thing that I am talking about is we're actually gonna get eight person draft on Thursday. No way. Real non bots human to human drafting. Sick.
1: So everybody just value draft and just screw everybody's piles.
2: Basically. That's what I do
0: because i don't draft drafting's fun man you mm-hmm. should try
1: it sometime
2: yeah
0: so as of today wizards posted an article on the daily mtg article site and a couple of the basics they want everybody to know about with the player drafting it's going to be two options a best of one in drafting or a best of three uh best of one dr- uh, bot drafts will still be available and will still continue to rotate every few weeks. So it's like you're not losing out on being able to bot draft at all. It's just that they're now adding in eight-person draft. But, I mean, with the ability to player draft, who really wants to bot draft? Uh, That's the thing. So when it comes to actual player draft, you're going to be put on a pick timer. There's more... um, So it's going to be just like the draft
1: in MTGO because you're on a timer on that too.
0: Yes. You'll be drafting on a timer and it's more it's more straightforward it's like you're putting your time and effort into the draft as we're a bot draft you can stop drafting midway through and not have to worry about anything if you clearly when you're drafting against a whole table of people eight people you're going to want to be picking and doing everything at an appropriate time uh with that to keep the draft going uh player draft will function like leagues you'll be matched against players outside of the draft pod that you have so the eight people that you draft with yeah, won't be playing against them. You'll be playing against people outside. Kind of like the same with bot draft. You bot drafted, and then you played against other people. You're eight person pod drafting with eight different people, and you can actually draft with your friends and stuff. But then you'd battle against other people. With this as well, there are questions on costs with the per, uh, the person drafting, and how this is going to be bro- broken down with a traditional draft is. The bots is still going to be staying the same. Uh, bot, bot prices ain't change- changing. But with traditional drafting with actual players, it's going to be 1,500 gems or 10,000 gold to be playing. With this, though, the prizes are increased. Three wins get you 3,000 gems in six packs. Two wins get you 1,000 gems in four packs. Uh, zero and one gets you one pack. Let's see, premier draft, human, best of one. Oh, okay. So the traditional is best of three. Those are the uh, those are the best of three matches. So you can get up to three wins. Uh, then the premier da- drafts are the best of one. Uh, it's still going to be the same cost of 1,500 gems, 10,000 gold. And then you can have seven wins or three losses, whichever comes first. Seven wins, you get 2,200 gems and six packs. Six wins, 800 gems, five packs. Five wins, 1,600 gems in four packs. Four wins, 1,400 gems in three packs. Three wins, 1,000 gems in two packs. Two wins, 250 gems in two packs. One win, 100 gems in one pack. Zero wins, 50 gems in one pack. That's the, the, the prize uh, payout when it comes to that. Uh, there's a fancy little uh, interface update or uh, interface that they're going to be including in here. Uh, The draft UX is to help convey some of these intricacies such as whether you are passing to your right or your left as well as show you you the status of other players draft picks but not the picks themselves mind you. So like to see who is still on what pack, how many packs are kind of getting like held up on whatever person and just see the flow of the table and of course the rotation of left or right. The time uh, is going to be broken down this way. Uh, For example, you'll have the most time for your pack one, pick one decision, approximately 70 seconds. However, by the time you get down to pack three, pick seven, this time will be reduced to 30 seconds. If you don't select a card before the time runs out, the game will pick one for you. If you reserved a card via single click, it will pick the reserved card when the time expires. So that's like the timing and stuff that they're talking about with the pack timer, the pick timer. Also, with this, Drafted Coriolaire Behemoths, your first one is on Wizards of the Coast. Sick. Nice. No entry free at all, so no 1,500 gems, no 10,000 gold. You can choose either a best of one or the best of three. Uh, to celebrate the addition of one of our most required or requested gameplay options, we're doing two very special things with our release. Both of them, best of one and best of three, will be available on the 16th. Your first one is free. On either best of one or best of three, you'll need to log into the game before April thirtieth to in order to redeem your complimentary Ikoria draft. So you have until April thirtieth to get that free draft. So the current draft schedule that they also updated here is April sixteenth to June twenty twenty. It's the premier draft, which is uh, best of seven, uh, best of one with seven matches, and then they also got from April sixteenth to June the traditional, which is best of three. April seventeenth to May. First, Core Set 2020 Quick Draft. A Quick Draft. Well, I don't think we got any information on anything with that further. Oh, that's further down with the Quick Draft? Yep. yep, further down. Oh, I must have missed that when I was... Oh, there it is. Beyond the update, Quick Draft will be using the same event and reward structure? No. Where are the cards? Yeah, back?
1: it was previously the Rank Draft. Oh. Uh,
0: but they got for Core 2020. Mm-hmm. They're just, they're just changing the name. Nope. It's no longer Ranked Draft. Got it. Okay. Uh, May 1st through the 15th is Aquaria Quick Drafts. And then May 15th through the 29th is War of the Spark Quick Drafts. Okay. See? Quick Drafts changing to Ranked Drafts. A little confusing to me there. But we got it. Yeah. It's all forward. Quick Drafts. Ranked Drafts are now Quick Drafts. Also with State of Arena, they have their new setup, uh, developer roadmap. Big thing. With COVID-19 still going on and social distancing still being applied to everybody in America, Wizards is now continuing on with their FNM at home schedule.
1: Looks like we've got uh, April 17th. It's coming up. It's going to be Icoria, Lair of Behemoths, Lair. Play any event to be eligible to receive a reward from your local game store. Woohoo! So then the next one, we have April 24th. is going to be Singleton. After that is May 1st. It'll be Artisan. Then we have May 8th will be Popper. That'll be a fun one. Popper's always fun to play. And then May 15th looks like Historic Brawl is coming back. And as before, these events will have no in-game entry fee and will reward rare or mythic rare individual card rewards
0: for your first and second win. Uh, starting with the April game update, uh, the when you submit your uh, picture to your LGS like you have been before, you'll be getting codes. But with this, with the April game update, uh, the codes will be in the form of MTG Arena promo pack codes inspired by, you guessed it, promo, promo packs you receive at your local store. So you're not getting sleeves, you're getting promo packs online. I don't know if that means, uh, it says here, you'll be able to redeem up to one code every week, and each code redemption will reward you two in-game cosmetic items including card styles, avatar, card sleeves, and pets, some of which were previously unavailable. Nice. So, this is actually pretty cool. So, it looks like it's still cosmetics.
2: Yes. But still, something
0: that you would have had to pay for it anyway. So, you just gained for free just for playing. Or you would have been playing at that time to be able to have gotten that item. Yeah, so exactly. The fact on some of those guys that are like, or some of the people that are like, oh my God, I missed out on this. Here's your chance. You can get, uh, you can have RNG be in your favor and maybe get what you wanted to get. Exactly. I think this is really cool. I'm really excited for that popper on May 8th. We were talking about with our set interests last week that I'm kind of interested in popper cycling as a deck. I think I might make a popper cycling deck for this event. That'd
2: be interesting. So on top of the developer roadmap or the next stop on the roadmap is the improvements to the card UI improvements. Again, I don't know why I said improvements twice, but I did. (laughs) So because of Ikoria, or, uh, yeah, Icaria, and the possibility of having your card having 12 different abilities, uh, they've changed some cosmetic looking, or the way the card's going to look on your battlefield. Um, I know you can't see this, but, so, traditionally, your power toughness is dead center on the very bottom of your card. Now, it's they move to the far right, just like your normal cardboard card would be, and then having different squares with different abilities. They're improving the scales. Uh, There's going to be a little bit less noise. And then it's also going to have if you have more than three abilities, it's going to have a dot, dot, dot. So you can click on it and see all the abilities that creature has. Rather than picking it up and trying to read what that creature has, it's just going to
0: show you the list. A couple color combos here is the gray are just like the keywords that it innately has already. So if a creature has trample, it'll be a little trample symbol that's in color gray. Mm-hmm. Now with the new uh keyword tokens, any gained ability is going to be in blue and that's going to be like a little blue square for trample again. A little blue square means that it gained trample. And then uh uh quantity dependent they have here is going to be a gold and quantity dependent is uh, depending on devotion, adapt, et is what they say. Uh, so typically when you would see like devotion kind of off to the side, like devotion three, it's now going to be a gold number. So you see the quantity of it. From UI improvements to making it look cleaner, we're going to talk about how clean this is going to be when it comes to Mac OS. No one cares. <laughs> yeah, no one cares. Just <laughs> kidding.
2: Just kidding. All you Apple we Cooper. we know a few people that are deeply saddened because it didn't come over for Apple because Apple has to do the things their own way, make it so hard for everyone else to do something so simple as to play Magic Arena. Uh, Your day has finally come that you can finally enjoy whatever else has been enjoying for the last what three four years now.
1: Wow, well, they still got a little bit, but I mean, arena. it's it's at least it's
0: on the horizon
2: it's yeah you can finally see the light at the end of the tunnel which Uh, will lead you to magic arena
0: but don't get too antsy just yet it is coming soon but it's not out yet (laughs) please be patient they're working on a 64-bit client first i'm not i'm not a designer a program designer (laughs) But they got to get this part, the 64-bit, down, down first and then they'll be coming out with a release date. But behold, there's a light at the end of the tunnel now. It's it's just like when Wizard of the Coast said, hey, there's an announcement for an announcement. It's,
2: it's going to be a bit over $165 for the secret Lair. Just a bit.
0: Just oh, a, just a more. bit more. Foreshadow. Oh. <laughs> so you Apple people hold on to your britches still.
2: Because she's she's coming.
0: It'll be cheaper and faster just to go buy a PC.
2: (laughs) And your stuff will actually work correctly.
1: She'll be coming around the mountain. Shut up, JB.
0: (laughs) Another thing on the developer roadmap is cube draft. Not cube sealed, but cube draft. Since we now have eight-person draft, cube draft is going to be a thing. And, of course, with cube draft, that's going to be a phantom draft, so you don't get to keep the cards but it's going to be a mainly Historic-based cube draft. So you'll have all the cards that they have added into Arena, including the Historic Anthology. Speaking of Historic... So it looks like we've got some cool things in store for Historic.
1: So while they don't have anything specific to announce yet, they'd like to make it clear that they'll be continuing to support Historic, and they plan for it to be increasingly more prominent in Magic Gathering Arena as we expand our Eternal format offerings. So they're gonna continue to strengthen and diversify this play mode, specifically adding cards that fall outside the realm of Pioneer and Standard to keep this format interesting. Historic Anthology 3 is currently planned to release sometime in May. So it gives you a little something to look forward to. And also, looks like work is going well on Amoncat Remaster. And you should expect that to arrive sometime this summer. We're also continuing our work with Magic R&D on future planned pioneer focused set remasters though they remain in concept for now. So between this, Historic Anthology 3, Corset 2021, Jumpstart, and Zendikar Rising, there's plenty of new card content to look forward to for the rest of the year.
0: I almost forgot about Jumpstart.
1: Yeah, Jumpstart's gonna come to Arena, huh?
0: I don't think if it's coming... Is it coming to Arena? If it comes to Arena, that's gonna be super cool. That'd be sick. Jumpstart, for those that don't remember, is where you're gonna get two 30-card packs where you just are supposed to shuffle them in together and just have a draft deck. There's going to be lands and stuff in there, and each pack is going to be a different theme of ranging from unicorns to Garouk to wizards to Frexians, which is super rare. But I'm excited for that.
1: I mean, I'd like to say, since they mentioned it in the State of the Arena, that, yeah, I mean, it would be coming to Arena.
0: I think it'd be cool if it came to Arena. I don't know. How I don't much.
1: think it would be that far-fetched for it to come to Arena. I mean. Nor would I. I think that'd be pretty pretty easy to code in.
0: Draft games without worrying about drafting
2: the cards.
0: Heck yes. So you want to know some real big news? <gasps> What's the big news?
2: Plan for 2020. Magic the Arena on mobile.
1: No way. Yep, yep. Time to put down Pokemon Go, kids.
2: And, and. They're going to have a cross-platform support for it. So you can play online, on your computer, or on your mobile with friends that are either on their mobile or on their PCs.
0: I'm still nervous of how this actually is all going to be coming out.
2: All I can say is your batteries are going to burn out and you're going to be out of data quick.
0: Yep,
1: uh, that's going to eat up a shit ton of data. So hopefully you have unlimited.
2: It's going to do more than just eat up your data. Like <laughs> it, It's... It's gonna push. It's gonna push the the phones
0: to their max, their processing power and computing power and stuff. Because M- Magic is the only game. You know, if we're gonna be comparing it to something like Hearthstone or Pokemon, they have a limited number of limited number of cards that you have on a field at a time. Oh yeah, where Magic is, we've seen you can make so infinite. many infinite. Yeah, you can break. You can the make game. infinite.
2: So, I think just just with me being a mobile gamer, just like I play games on my phone all the time. I've burnt my screen before many times. What you you play your game so much that you actually burn into the the screen of whatever it's showing. Like I've had phones where my main screen, like my app, my apps are literally burnt to the screen. So I can be off this page, just on a white page, like pull up internet, just a white page
0: that are still showing haven't anything like that yet but i know that's crazy when i play mana strike which is a very fun game for everybody Yep. it's uh it's uh what's it called clash royale it's clash royale for magic the gathering yep after just like two matches my phone just gets really hot and it auto dims yep and so I'm kind of picturing maybe like arena is gonna be taking that much power as well, and your phone is well.
2: You got to think though. Magic arena is already a dark screen. So Ma- mana strike isn't dark. That's that's a lot more bright lights, whereas arena is
0: dungeon dark. Depending on whatever hard surface that you are, because. The the Exelon whatever ones where it's like you're in the jungle kind of yeah, theme, but it's still a darker screen compared to <sighs> Mass Strike. I'm just worried that this is like one of those things that because we didn't hear about anything from Magic Arena before the uh, quarterly call happened for Hasbro. Yep, where the CEO is like, and there's gonna be Arena for mobile, and I honestly don't know if that means that. <laughs> The board developers are struggling because the CEO made a promise of Arena coming to mobile. And they're like, shit, we're not ready for this. And Because if I'm not mistaken, Arena, when it was first announced, I don't think it was ever, they announced that it wasn't supposed to come to mobile. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm more than positive that was the thing. It was just supposed to say as a PC game.
1: Yeah, they were playing it off for the longest time that it wasn't going to come to mobile because people were,
2: like, outraging, saying, no,
1: bring it to mobile, bring it to mobile. And they were saying, no, it's not coming to mobile.
2: My guess is it's going to be mobile for maybe a year. And they're going to take it down because, one, it's just going to burn phones. People are going to stop playing it. Yeah. And, two, as their announcement says, you're going to have full access to your account, which means you have all your cards... From your PC or the Arena, I guess. So just the computing power, just for your phone to compute it to your phone and then hold it, is just going to burn. It's going to burn your batteries and your motherboards.
0: There are two games that I can think about at the top of my head that you can play on mobile, that you can play on console, and you can play on PC: Fortnite and PUBG. Yep. And you actually got the new Call of Duty, right? You can play that on mobile as well, and you can link that up. So no, I'm not sure about Call of Duty. Okay, well, we know for sure Fortnite and PUBG both have a mobile client that actually allows you to do cross-platform yep. with other consoles and stuff. Yep. Do we have to look at those games? Because if we're going to talk about it, actually, I think PUBG and Fortnite would be using way more processing power than what Arena would.
2: Why would you say that? Like, I I get the fact of multiple people being in you have, those games, but but you are not saving
0: anything. You have multiple, uh, you got multiple people in on, many people in on a map. You have more uh, precise, pinpointed, needed uh, service to be yep. able to, you know to be able to pick off an opponent with your gun like you can't you can't have any latency with that like where arena you got a little more wiggle room for latency maybe so maybe we got to like try and find someone who plays Fortnite and PUBG on the phone get back to us like please if you if you do this, hit us up. We need to actually know this now because I'm actually kind of interested a little more. Like maybe, maybe arena for the phone isn't as far fetched if we think about PUBG and Fortnite now. Because honestly, like the the, the graphics that those have, that they're moving images. This arena is just stationary. They have like a little character pop up from the card, as where you're roaming around a wild world, shooting guns, building blocks, stealing cars, swimming in water. Like the textures for that is gonna use way more way more computing power than what than what arena would at that point. So is it really that far fetched no. that we actually are gonna have arena without total tomfuckery, maybe?
1: I have a hard time believing that this is gonna perform optimally on mobile. I mean my computer fucking struggles with this shit.
0: I, I
2: get I get what you're saying, Matt. Like get you're not having those moving parts or the the coding difficulty as of PUBG or Fortnite but when you're thinking of how many different events magic has going on at a single time in arena and then it's just i think it's more of a coding nightmare
1: i don't see it being sustainable on mobile i'm
2: excited to see i'm
1: more it, optimistic it's it's
2: a, it's a great i, I i'm going to have fun with it too like i'm going to play it obviously but it's it's going to be one of those is it going to be a coding nightmare
1: yes
0: i don't, I don't know or is it going to be a support nightmare also, server nightmare. Well, let's find out. Uh, if anybody listening to this has played PUBG or Fortnite, please tweet at us, email us, want to us up me- on Facebook. Yeah, like let us know. This is like very intriguing. Like I was really, I was a little more down on Arena on mobile before, but then as soon as it dawned on me that you have PUBG and Fortnite, I think there might be a chance.
2: You also have Call of
0: Duty, yeah, like call- we said, but
2: that that's just not a cross platform. That's not cross Yeah. As JB leaves the room, he makes
0: a very (laughs) elementary statement about how I said duty. So should we uh, clean up the state of arena here then, Danny? Yeah, I think so. Last thing that they have in concept right now is Player Challenges. Uh, Quote, Player Challenges is the working name we're calling our competitive experiences that will have a short duration but high skill cap. Providing ways to win significant rewards beyond gold, gems, and booster packs. Given the circumstances surrounding us, this is something we've decided to fast-track a bit to provide even more ways for you to compete from the safety of your home. Expect more info in the upcoming weeks. So these player challenges are kind of like what we had with the what we were having with like magic fest's and stuff, and the MPL is way those events to like get in the chance to get in those. But those are like you gotta grind the ladder, get into mythic and stuff to have a semblance of a chance. They just want more people to be able to have access to a high level of competitive play. A couple of the things that they note here, uh, the bullet points. Prize and format will be different from our meta game challenges, but will follow an X wins or Y loss format, so no bracket or Swiss, kind of like what League is on MTGO. Uh, With competitive, there will differ from our Mythic Point qualifiers, as they will not require any sort of pre-qualifications to compete. They will also be separate from Magic Esports and MPL play. The goal is to have player entries support the prize pool. Rewards will depend on region and local laws. And that's that with the, the player challenges. Kind of excited for more easy ways to be able to actually compete in high-level stuff, I, I think. There's a lot of people that are doing Magic Arena events and stuff, and this could be a good way to have those people move up, kind of. Last thing in the state of Arena is Tune into to the Early Access event on April 15th to support some of your favorite content. Creators that are getting early access to it. They're just gonna be streaming, drafting, playing, and all that stuff. You have a content creator that you want to watch, go give them a watch. So State of Arena was pretty long. We're gonna talk about one more thing now. Sort of simple and to the point. And it's gonna kinda actually lead into our finance section, I feel it. The the transition, the segue might be too hot to handle. Or too hot that no one's gonna care.
2: But we'll let you decide. So this last little bit, back to my comment of Wizards of the Coast comment about, oh, 165 might be a smidge over 165, was in uh, reference to their new secret lair, Ultima Edition. It has five, just five cards in it. It is your enemy fetch lines. So we have arid, Miss, arid mesa, marsh flats, misty rainforest, scalding tarn, verdant catacombs, and one commemorative display box.
0: Does anyone want to take a guess at this price? So when it got announced uh, a couple weeks ago from the professor with Blake Rasmussen, they said that it'll be. Just a bit more than 165, which was the anthology boxes that you mm-hmm. could get. They just said a bit more than 165. Oh, mind you, this is also SEG, is the one that posted this. They're really the first ones that are posting pre orders for Secret Layers right now. So, with that in mind, take a guess. If it's, under, if it's $100, go a little bit more. If you're thinking 200 go a little more. Three hundred.
2: You're getting closer. The asking price for this secret layer it is three hundred forty nine dollars and ninety nine cents for five cards and this competitive box. The box is sweet. Don't get me wrong. What?
1: But is it a two hundred dollar box?
2: No, it, it. It's not even a fifty dollar box. But it's the fact that they're going to they're they're charging you three hundred and fifty five or three hundred and fifty dollars for five cards, so that's seventy dollars a card. Where you can go and pick these cards up for yeah, because we did the math Thirty dollars for forty dollars piece. Well, it depends because they all range differently. Well, yeah, we yeah, did,
1: me it. and Matt did the math a while ago when it first came out. Um, what each one was singularly, if you were to buy one of each at the cheapest price. And I think we came up with like, what? 230 some?
0: No, that was 220. Well,
1: that was like 231 or something like that.
0: Okay. Give or take. Give or take five bucks. So, somewhere in there for that. The fact that uh, the fact that this is 350 bucks, this thing is not including shipping and handling or sales tax at all. That's another thing the fact that SEG is selling this for 350 has blown everyone way out of the water just for the sheer fact that as 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 said pretty well by saffron olive said pretty well by saffron olive i guess 350 is a bit more it's technically a bit more than 165 more than double the price <laughs> I mean, look at it as what you may of a bit more, but the fact that uh, 350 for this. For
1: five cards. I say we all boycott this and nobody order this damn thing.
0: Well, it's already out of stock. Yeah, SEG. Oh, my God. SEG sold out on all their pre-orders for them. People, people bought them for the 350 Oh, oh. Look. So many whales. It wasn't. Three hundred fifty maybe for everybody because if you had an SEG premium membership.
2: You saved a whopping seventeen dollars and fifty cents. So you could have got yours for three thirty-two.
1: That's not even gonna 49. cover shipping and taxes.
2: No, it's not. Taxes That's alone long. it's not gonna cover. Hell no. At, at what? North Dakota North Dakota's seven and a half percent? Yep, seven and a half. So you're looking at thirty dollars in taxes. God. Plus another fifteen dollars to ship. That's yeah. gonna cost you four hundred and some dollars for this box.
1: And people wonder why I'm so skeptical with these secret layers.
2: Mind you, I think they
0: are different art. Yeah, they're all new art with these. Uh, we talked like we talked about this about a month ago. I think is when they first got spoiled. Actually, a month ago uh, when they first got spoiled. We talked about them, and we were first speculating them at like, you know, 200 bucks without shipping and handling right off the bat. <laughs> 350 People are saying it's like, if this was around the $200 mark, maybe they could justify it. But now that including shipping and handling, this thing is going to be closer to that $400. Oh,
2: it is $400. Well, apparently Ships-
0: people are justifying it because if it's already sold out. Just for SEG. Uh, to remember they uh local game stores will not be getting this until the end of May they can be putting out pre-orders now I guess for that we don't know what other stores I wonder if we we should ask uh, Big Nix and then maybe get back to you guys on social media and see what Big Nix is doing for something like that
1: you know with everything that's going on with the pandemic and everything like that honestly with what they should do they should give these secret layers to the freaking LGSs. Let them get their cut.
0: Just let them get
1: this should be a free secret layer to the LGSs.
0: I see what you mean. Uh, that's in reference to wizards giving all LGSs free mystery boosters. You think that the secret layer should be one of the free things to help LGSs yeah. get the cut, get a bit of a cut.
1: You're I telling think. me that they can't give some of these up for free to the LGSs to help in this kind of time? Have you seen those boxes? Those are pretty pricey. Wizards is really losing. <laughs> Dude, that's like a $5 box. Not even. Uh, you, you don't even want
0: to get me started on this. <laughs> JB, the Penny pincher Boggle.
1: <laughs> you darn tootin'.
0: <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, though, again, this is just SCG. We don't know any other market prices and stuff. Uh, to my knowledge, nothing has been nothing else has been posted on who's pre-selling uh who's been pre-selling these at whatever price so keep an eye out for your lgs it's just that seg is such a big name in the finance section of magic products like they're setting this at 350 before their premium member discount
2: imagine and- how much is going to going for on ebay
1: yeah,
0: no, like that's a thing. Thousand dollars. It's
1: gonna be like the Mythic Editions all Pe- over again.
0: First off, if it's going on eBay, easily you can imagine at bare minimum the price is doubled. So seven hundred dollars minimum on the secondary market for this thing in a sealed pack. And, and then again, I just uh, for for everybody out there, we're just three schmucks in a room with some microphones. Our finance is nothing. We're just going off of knowledge and interactions that we've had with in the past. With that, $700 is a minimum on a secondary market for five cards. I really... Well, Wizards don't care at that point. No, they don't care. They already made their money. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's just that these cards are going to be ridiculously high priced then because of something like that.
1: I tell you what, they better be fucking gold-plated for that price. They're
0: not gold-plated. They went over this. And first off, again with this, they're actually going to be more with this. Got to rewind here a little bit. The professor did an interview with Blake Rasmussen a week and a half ago back, and they were talking about the secret layers. Blake Rasmussen said that the amount of actual versions of these secret layer fetch lands that are coming out of the world is going to be more than all of the current secret layers that have been sent out, because each store, each WPN store, is getting 10. And this is not like a print to demand. This is like they're all getting 10 and then there'll be more later. Uh, the fact that they're all getting 10 is going to be a lot more out there in the world and maybe there might be some weird price fluctuations. I'm not sure. We haven't seen it. Nothing's been shipped. But Magic players are definitely worried about this. It, it has resonated over the finance section, over the casual section. Because... These, these fetch lines are
2: already up there in price. So, if you're printing them and selling them for $400, isn't that price going to go up? The current stock that's out there, aren't those values going to go up then? Or are they going to go down?
0: Mm. This is really tough to say. <sighs>
2: so, is this going to be next week's, or not this next week's, but next month's weekly winners for increase in price? All five enemy fetch lines?
0: Maybe. We just don't know at this point. It's really it's Cause, really shaky waters.
2: Because just like uh, from the vaults boxes, every time they got a vault print, print pricing went down. But with these, if pricing goes down, people are going to uproar. Like, you're spending $400 on five cards.
0: We're getting we're getting into some very deep finance it's, territory. It's Eighty dollars a card. With holding on to product.
2: Eighty dollars per card.
0: Yeah, when some of them aren't uh twenty bucks. Even worth that. Yeah. I think the cheapest one is Marsh Flats at like thirty three, right? No, I think there were some that were below that. Cheapest Marsh Flats is Zendikar for thirty four ninety four. But is that the cheapest out of the set?
2: Aired Mesa is 28
0: Boom. Really? 28 I would have really thought that And was that's from
2: costs. Modern Masters 17. Okay. Um, of course, yeah,
1: Boros the, is going to be the cheapest.
2: The Zendikar Expansion. Ex- yeah. Expedition. Expedition is most that's that's the most expensive. That's $100. Oh, yeah.
1: It's because of the Expeditions.
2: Um, from Zendikar oh. by himself, it's 29 market yeah so that one's that one's probably the cheapest all of them the boros one
0: well, you bet you this week in list, this week in m t g listening asses we are gonna be talking about secret Lair fetchlands for a while in the future for sure. This is just like the start of it It just kind of really got everybody riled up again.
1: Well, you know they're gonna have the
0: allied cycle. There's no
1: way they're gonna sell they're just the enemies oh that, one, that one's Lairs. going
2: that one's going for eight hundred dollars.
1: No. No. The Allieds are usually cheaper.
0: To calm everybody down, do remember Blake Rasmussen said that the Secret Lair Ultimate Edition Secret Lair Fetchlands is not going to be the only printing of Fetchlands this year in 2020. We don't know how we're going to be getting more Fetchlands. Zendikar. Another another Secret Lair. I'm feeling, for allies. Zendikar. If I'm going to guess, I really want to say it's going to be in the Commander product of Zendikar. Like they're gonna print uh, the way for wizards to really like profit from this is they print the fetch lands in the commander product. First off, that's what every commander Magic player, every Magic player has been saying is print it in a commander product. Oh yeah, commander players like fetch lands. You don't need a fetch land. And that's like one of the biggest things that Mark Rosewater and Blake Rasmussen have talked about is like you don't need a fetch land to play. But the fact that it makes it more cleaner and efficient way to play, mm-hmm. it's very tantalizing to some of these higher levels. But one of the we got to like deviate a little from this thought process as well because you know, Wizards still sees the numbers, and from what they say, they haven't fully r- revealed the numbers and stuff to us. But just cards that you have, Magic is still the form of Magic that a lot of people play, meaning it's whatever you have access to. Moving on to the finance section before we, we just keep getting. Before, this, before a tangent continuously goes on and can
2: never stop.
0: This, this definitely has a long ways to go. So it we're does. just going to cut this off, nip it in the bud, and we're just going to jump straight into that finance section.
1: Since we were just talking
0: about finance. Exactly. Yep. So hold on, hold on. Cha-ching. Did you hear that? What? That was a new audio clip I just put in there. <gasps> no way! They didn't hear it, but oh man, I hope you're gonna love it. Ooh! Is this some sort of ching ching? Even well, yes, but kind of better. <laughs> Called it. I know Matt too well. Oh, you'll see. <laughs> As always, what we do with our finance section is we go to mtgstocks.com. A very well-organized site talking about, posting about all Magic prices and cards. Right next to the card, they have a nice little graph showing the fluctuation of the card. If it's going up in price, going down in price. Shows all the printings that the card has had. Shows the high and the low end. I feel this is a very important tool for anybody that's like very curious of Magic Finance. And every Friday, they come out with an article called Weekly Winners. It's a very well done article where they highlight three to four cards of cards that are moving up in price, and then they also highlight cards that are going down in price that you can pick up for cheap. So, this first one is a two for one. With Cycling getting announced in Ikoria, these two cards have seen a 370 to 400% increase. We have Decree of Silence and Decree of Annihilation. Decree of Silence. Reads it's uh blue blue six for an enchantment. Whenever an opponent casts a spell, counter that spell and put a depletion counter on decree of silence. If there are three or more depletion counters on decree of silence, sacrifice it. It has cycling blue blue four. When you cycle decree of silence, you may counter target spell.
2: And for decree of annihilation, it is red red eight sorcery speed. Remove all artifacts, creatures lands, graveyards, and hands from the game. Cycles cost is Red Red 5. When you cycle Decree of Annihilation, destroy all lands. It's either number again, or it's a
0: start game over. Yeah. And what's making this move up in price is the Commander Cycling deck because Gave Nest Warden is the main commander, and it is the Jeskai one. It's white, red, blue, two for a 2-5 human shaman legendary creature. This is the thing. You may pay zero rather than pay the cycling cost of the first card you cycle each turn. Each turn! <laughs> so you're getting yourself a free wrath or a free counterspell with those. Just the fact of that. And Decree of Silence was already showing a little bit of movement and stuff because Solemnity was making movements last week with counters and stuff. But the fact that we have the cycling commander, this the, these both have now seen no a jump in price because they're just going to be a free cycling. Mm-hmm. The first spell, each turn, each turn. Uh. Uh. <laughs> oh, uh Oh, so we set the percentage that you are jumping up. Decree of Silence is now $23. Decree of Annihilation is just under $10. Beginning of the month, uh Decree of Silence was 4 bucks and Decree of Annihilation was 2. It's a big increase on those cards. Mhm. Next on the weekly winners, we have Bounty Hunter seeing another price increase, jumping up 317% now sitting under just 9 bucks. This card originally saw its first spike uh, during Ixalan because Tetsamog gave bounty counters to things, and Bounty Hunter deals with bounty, hunt- bounty counters. Let me read. Bounty Hunter is a black-black 2 human archer minion that is a 2-2. Two, two. It has tap, put a bounty counter on target non-black creature, and it has tap, destroy a target creature with a bounty counter on it. With counters and stuff being a thing, being able to move around with Ozalith, uh, this is going to be something that is looked at. And then also with a new card that got announced, Sheville Bane of Monsters, which is a green-black 1-3 human rogue. Sheville reads, Death Touch, beginning of your upkeep if your opponent controls no permanent with bounty counters on them a bounty counter on target creature or planeswalker in opponent controls. Whenever a permanent an opponent controls with a bounty counter on it dies, you gain 3 life and you draw a card. So unfortunately, Bounty Hunter does not hit the planeswalker that has the bounty counter on it, but it still hits. This is just another free way to be given out bounty counters. And then you just tap Bounty Hunter as a way to just pick off them creatures. And planeswalkers too. Lastly, on the weekly winners, we have Penman's Aura. Actually, one of my favorite cards. I have, like, 10 of these things. It is a... It's seen a 135% increase, sitting at 10 bucks right now. Penma's, Penman's Aura reads, Blue Blue 1, Enchant Aura. Enchant Creature. Enchant Creature has Pay a Blue, Untap Enchanted Creature. Has Pay Blue, Enchanted Creature gains Flying Till End turn. Enchanted Creature has pay blue. Enchanted Creature gains shroud until end of turn. And then it has pay a colorless. Enchanted Creature gets plus one neg one or neg one plus one till end of turn. This is the embodiment of like the morphling kind of cycles and stuff. And in the article it says one of the main reasons for this increase, which honestly I thought that this was increasing because of classification because my tiny mind can't think as far ahead as this with Zaxara. Zarak- the exemplary which is a blue green black one two three nightmare hydra with death touch it has tap add two mana of any one color when you cast a spell with x in its mana cost create a zero zero green hydra creature token then put x plus one plus one counters on it so it says here this is the interesting thing I, i i like this a lot imagine playing zaxara and you enchanted it with penman's Aura you could tap it for blue blue and then use one of them to activate the aura to untap the infinite reaction. mana. There's now an infinite, uh, another infinite combo coming, uh, commander specifically. This is kind of exciting. The fact that I got a lot of these cards. Pretty awesome as well.
2: Next up, JB with the cheap pickups.
1: Alright, so first up on the cheap pickups we have Paradox Engine. Going in at $5.89. Paradox Engine is five generic. You get a Legendary Artifact. Whenever you cast a spell, untap all non land permanents you control.
0: Makes sense that this is going down. Since it's banning back in August, I mean, I don't I don't think there's any modern deck. Fringe modern decks might be playing this. Fringe legacy decks might be playing this.
1: It saw a little bit of a play in Pioneer right when Pioneer started. I know there was a couple people trying to make this work. Oh, but That's right, Pioneer. And then it kind of just faded. So next up, we have True Name Nemesis eight dollars and 99 cents true name nemesis is a single generic blue blue you get a merfolk rogue creature and as true name nemesis enters the battlefield you choose a player true name nemesis has protection from the chosen player and it's a
0: 3-1 this is the battle bond version about a month ago we were talking about the commander 13 version of this that was going down good to see that both these cards are going down and those of you that play Merfolk Legacy that don't, or want to get into Merfolk Legacy, get ready to pick this card up, I guess.
1: So last but not least, we have a couple of the uh, Horizon Lands coming out of uh, Modern Horizons. Yes! So it looks like we have uh, Nurturing Peatland is $8.31, and that's the Green Black Land. We have Waterlogged Grove, which is the Simic Land. For $6.73. And Silent Clearing, which is the Orzhov land, coming in for $5.34.
0: Get ready to pick these up. If you're looking to get into modern, the best thing to be investing in is always real estate. Land cards. Yes, and pain lands are pretty viable. With all these cheap pickups, if there are any other cards you're looking to pick up cheap, go over to TCG Sniper to be looking to get them even cheaper. TCG Sniper is a great website where you submit a link, a TCG player link of a card that you want into TCG Sniper, set a desired price that you want the card to be at, and you will get a notification when that card drops to that price. And then you click on the link, you buy the card for the cheap price, and you feel like a winner.
1: Side note, TCG Sniper also works for Sealed Product. Indeed,
0: it does. And last, but not least, after the finance section, we close, as always, with Deck of the Week. This week's Deck of the Week is a modern NIV to Life deck submitted by. <sighs> Doesn't have his name. Was a Super Qualifier? Yeah, from the Super Qualifier number 12124658. It went nine zero on the Super Qualifier.
1: So Niv Delight decks have been kind of tearing up the scene lately. Uh, they got their start in Pioneer mainly, and now they've been uh, tearing up Modern. So I figured might as well pick one. Let's run through it for the deck of the week.
0: This is a toolbox of all toolboxy lands because the main the main thing of the deck is Niv Mizzet Reborn, which is a Wooburg six six Dragon Avatar with flying that reads when Niv Mizzet Reborn enters the battlefield, reveal the top ten cards of your library. For each color pair, choose a card that's exactly those colors from among them. Put the chosen cards into your hand and the rest at the bottom of your library in a random order. And if you could guess, every card in your deck is a multicolored card that is a guild color. Along with Niv, uh, one of the big things with Niv, Mizzet Reborn is the other part of the combo, not combo, the other part of the namesake of the deck bring to light it is a blue green three sorcery converge search your library for a creature instant or sorcery card with converted mana cost less than or equal to the number of mana colors of mana spent to cast bring to light exile that card shuffle your library you may cast that card without paying its mana cost this is a way for you to be finding your three copies of Niv-Mizzet. So essentially, you got six copies of Niv-Mizzet in this deck to be searching out from. And then you're just filling up... When you're able to cast Niv-Mizzet, you're able to fill up your hand with good cards like Assassin's Trophy, Lightning Helix, Supreme Verdict on Ego, Uro, Titan of Nature's Wrath.
1: Don't forget about... Uh, there's, there's actually four copies of Niv in this deck. There's one in the sideboard.
0: There is one in the side. And a fun way to get things from the sideboard is with the two of Glittering Wish in this deck. Yep, which is new tech,
1: because I've been listening to quite a few uh, podcasts about uh, um, these Niv decks for a couple months now, and apparently Glittering Wish is one of the new uh, toys that they've been throwing in there.
0: People have been really into pulling things from your sideboard. Like, the side... Not only in Pioneer with like the Karn and the, well, even in Standard with Fey of Wishes, but like Fey Wishes in Pioneer as well. But the fact that you have, I, uh, you have spells that get cards from your sideboard that you can use in specific ways, just makes those decks way more powerful because you got those silver bullet cards mainboard essentially at your fingertips, and with Niv Mizzet going ten cards deep. The chance that you're going to be finding a Glittering Wish in this instance is pretty high Then that you can use that Glittering Wish to get one of your many silver bullets from your sideboard. And some of those silver bullets are just doubling up on stuff. Like you have another Supreme Verdict in there. You have another Unmoored Ego. You have a Dovin's Veto, another Assassin's Trophy in here. All multicolored. There is... Don't forget about the 4th Kai's Guile. 4th Kaia's Guile. Which is a solid card. In deed want to give that one a read jb okay so kaya's guile
1: for a generic white and a black instant speed you can choose two each opponent sacrifices a creature exile all cards from each opponent's graveyard create a one one white and black spirit creature token with flying or you gain four life but there's also an entwined cost you pay three generic on top of the casting cost and you get to choose
0: all the modes Couple things that help this deck be able to cast all these multicolored spells is you got a playset of Arkham's Astrolabe, and how you find those is the many different fetch lands that you have in here, including they got a playset of Prismatic Vistas, then uh, Verdant Catacombs, Arid Mesa, Flooded Strand, Pluted Delta, Wooded Foothills, as ways to be fetching those lands. Like your fetch land game is on point there are five snow one of each snow colored snow covered uh, land so forest island mountain plain swamp all snow covered in the deck so getting a turn one Arkham's astrolabe is really going to help help your mana fixing i think we should also talk about a couple of the planeswalkers here in this deck there are two Teferi time Ravelers, very standard for a control kind of thing cuz this niv delight deck is a very control control deck so it's a fairy Time Raveler, as everybody knows, has the static ability of each opponent can only cast spells they, when they could cast a sorcery. The other Planeswalker in this deck is Renin-6, a green, red, 3 loyalty Planeswalker, has a plus 1, return up to 1 target land card from a graveyard to your hand, going to be a fetch land, a neg 1, Renin-6 deals 1 damage to any target, and then neg 7, you get an emblem that instances and sorceries in your graveyard have retraced. There's no no doubt in my mind. No full understanding reasoning. I get why this steamrolled everybody. Nine and oh. The amount of responses that this deck can interact with, the amount of reacting and putting out threats, like a six-six dragon, and you're just like backing it up with a bunch of protection of lightning helixes, and then keeping the board cleared with Supreme Verdicts and Kaya's guile, like this deck definitely deserved making it up in the the 0 section of the modern super qualifiers online. Yeah, this deck looks super sick, though.
1: And you can pick it up for $1,100.
0: Yeah. Oh, yep, yep, didn't, didn't comment on the price. Yeah, this is an expensive deck. Don't get me wrong. Like, you want to be jumping into Modern right now, this is not the deck to be jumping into. Well, yeah, it's got three
1: euros in it. I mean, there's 120 bucks right there. The the play set of Ren and Sixes, 200 no
2: right bucks.
0: There. Verdant Catacombs, which is 120 for the two of them. Play set of Pillar of the Pay Runes, freaking 78 bucks. Yep, Thoughtseize. It has three Thoughtseize, three Assassin's Trophy. <sighs> which is 90 and eight, uh, ninety and $40, respectively. <sighs> but as we close out Tech of the Week, I got to ask you guys, anything else you want to say?
1: Keep on listening.
0: Follow, subscribe. Like. Twitter, Facebook. Tweet. Retweet. Hit us up about that PUBG and Fortnite stuff. We need to know. Any information you want us to cover? Just, okay.
1: just, just hit up Matt. Matt's the only one that wants to know about the
2: Fortnite and PUBG. Follow JB on Facebook.
0: Yeah, JB yeah. get better at posting on Facebook. I know. There. I Talk about your decks. That. Talk about your little hex proof hideout where you just brew my all secret day. boggle layer. Yeah, where you brew all the time. I do do a lot of that, don't I? You do. I That's do. where you got when you have brew ideas. Post it up on Facebook. People start there following him. Yeah, he's start a, helping me out here. He's a cre- let's let's spitball. Let's make a collective deck here. He's a slippery genius.
1: Always looking for cool, fun interactions and infinite combos and stuff like that.
0: And from there, hit that outro. So make sure to follow us on all the social medias. We have Facebook, Twitter, and then if you have questions, comments, concerns, send us a Gmail at MTG at gmail.com. We have podcasts coming up every... Tuesday. On the Tuesday. All right. What five a.m. I'm going at six a.m. now.
2: Well, fine. Six a.m. on Tuesday.
1: Listen to it while you're eating breakfast on the way to work. Come on,
2: or going to bed, depending on where work schedule.
0: No, 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 not when we're going. Not when they're going to bed, because then we yeah, could we be the last. Li- we could be
2: the last voice that they hear before they go
0: restfully to sleep, or we put them to sleep because we're boring. Yeah, we One don't want the way. That. Either way, they'll be dreaming of us. Oh we're inserting ourselves into your dreams make Ever them want to play magic
1: learning by osmosis
2: exactly follow us <laughs>